Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, it's been a while since we recorded. When did we last record? Was it like after the Magic game? Yes, it was before the Pelicans game. Before the Pelicans game, before the Warriors finally got off the schneid and uh, beat the Sacramento Kings, though they had to come back. Like It was Steph putting the team on his back to make sure that they won that game. It was not looking good going into the end of that fourth quarter, but Steph made sure that they won, and... I don't know. I feel like he's going to have to do that a lot this year with with how they're playing. Like it's 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 not what you're used to seeing when it comes to the Warriors and how they usually handle business. Yeah, no, it's not. And I'm sure we're going to talk about how we think they could potentially fix that. All of the things we're going to talk about. Yep. Okay. so uh, first thing. There was a change in the rotation, and I think that was a detriment uh, to Mr. James Wiseman. Uh, Kaminga as well seems to be playing more than he was. I don't know what it means for Moody because I feel like Moody should be playing like 25 minutes. Like he should be like the second highest bench guy after pool, but that has not happened. And a lot of uh, Anthony Lamb. I imagine Ty Jerome's minutes go down the second DiVincenzo comes back, but... What do you think about the rotation after Steve Kerr said that they had to make some changes? I thought it was so bad. Um, so I only got to see, I still haven't watched it yet, the first half of the Pelicans game. So apparently yeah. in the second half, like Anthony, Anthony Lamb has like five three-pointers. So yeah. I guess that's why he's getting run. But like the point, like him being there over all the guys that like have long-term investment, like I just didn't make sense to me. I knew like it was almost like a must win game, which is awful considering they're in only in their ninth win or their ninth <laughs> game. But like, yeah, Anthony lamb has no, um, I don't know. He, he's, he's, he's no offense, but he's nothing out, you know, in, in the years to come. Whereas, okay. Okay. You, I, I will say, I see what you're, where you're getting at. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, he's not going to be a player. Cause he like, this could be, like he's showing other teams, right? He's just not going to be a guy on this team, yeah, which exactly. is weird. Like he's showing other teams like, look, look at how well I played in this Warriors offense. Uh, look, Steve Kerr was putting me in before he was putting in these uh, the, these diamonds that, that he has on the bench. But you're right in that it doesn't 
it doesn't help them in any way this year outside of maybe chasing a, a win or two just because for whatever reason, Anthony Lamb is is a little bit more functional in the offense right now than, say, a Kaminga. But, but that doesn't really answer my question, though, about Moody. Like, why do you think Moody is still not playing? That, I have no idea why. Like, I mean, watching him on the court, I don't think he's doing anything insanely wrong to, to warrant, you know, no playing time. Uh, so, no, I'm, 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 I'm as puzzled on that one as you are. Because, I mean, we looked at, like, the... Uh, the rotation and the depth that they had going into the season. And it seemed like Kaminga would be the odd man out. Yeah. Just, just by positional depth. Positional. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, Kaminga kind of was after he didn't get any run in that second half. Uh, Wiseman doesn't play. Jermichael Green doesn't even play. So, I mean, I think that, you know, obviously once DiVincenzo comes back, Ty Jerome's just getting DMPs most likely. They even said it on plus minus today, but I think that's something we knew. Ty Jerome was essentially replacing uh, DiVincenzo's playmaking aspect. That's what, Steven Chenzo is kind of like the second point guard. So Poole can cook. And that's why Ty Jerome was getting run. Um, but yeah, no, the Moody thing, like he's supposed to just fit right in. I'm not entirely yeah. sure why he's not getting the run. So uh, my friend Mark Nobita chimed in to say that he really misses GP. We all miss GP, man. But has GP even started playing yet? No. Has he, he, he's still hurt, right? Otto Porter Jr. finally started playing. I saw Raptors. he got in the other day. The yeah, no GPT though. And the Trailblazers are rolling. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting fit for him to kind of get into the mix because what uh, they have wings, they have young wings who are who are playing pretty well. So we'll see. I mean, GP GP two should be able to fit any sort of team when you give him the minutes because you're he's the he's your best defensive uh, best your your best defensive guard. So we'll we're, we'll bring up GP two in a minute, Mark, because Tim Kawakami on today's plus minus, like Brian said. He had an interesting trade uh, that that we'll bring up in a second here when we talk a little bit more about uh, what's going on with the youngsters here. Um, okay, so I thought it was uh, I thought it was frustrating to see uh, less. So obviously, the whole Wiseman thing sucks, right? He's he's. I would like to see him play through it. I know a lot of the he, he's become a target for this fan base. Uh, the fans usually will latch on to uh, one or two players if the Warriors aren't playing well and just go to town. And that has been James Wiseman. Honestly, I think he's playing better than Kuminga. That's not saying a lot. But Kaminga gets a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because he is only in his second year. James is in his third year. Also, he plays a wing, so he can kind of make these mistakes that uh, maybe they're not as big of a deal. They're they're not as big of a bullseye as when Wiseman fumbles the ball in, in the paint or he, misses he, doesn't, a he doesn't box and, out and he yeah. misses a rebound. And it and those moments have happened when the Warriors were not playing well and you could see Steph frustrated you could see Draymond frustrated so I think Wiseman's getting a little bit of the short shrift but I get it he's he was the number two pick in the draft he is supposed to be he is supposed to fit in he is supposed to do all all of the stuff to make sure that that he's a good player that it just hasn't happened for him yet and he's still coming off of the meniscus injury from last year so I don't know how much of that has to do with it but Kaminga has not like last year 
when coming when they would throw Kaminga in and like he just would bring this crazy athleticism to this older team and you're like wow Kaminga I want to see him play more and he he doesn't have that so far and some of it may just be the rotations and, and how they're working but uh what do you like do you have a solution for like if if Steve Kerr called you up and was like how would you do how would you change this rotation how would you make sure that the right guys are getting on the court and mm-hmm. that we're not getting blown out. Cause the Warriors first team is the best first team in, in, in the league when it comes to plus minus and their second team is like the worst. I think. Yeah. It's like some yeah. crazy split like that. So what would you do? So for, for right now, a little side tangent, but I feel like it's relevant, relevant. Um, I feel like sports fans, especially, you know, maybe not, especially Warriors fans. It's just like kind of the realm of, of social media that I'm in is, is Warriors content, but I feel like they're very, um, like their their memory span a lot of sports fans memory spans is like from today to like the past few games you know mm-hmm. there's people on twitter saying wiseman hasn't shown us anything wiseman hasn't done this and that wiseman hasn't done this wiseman in the summer league showed flashes and wiseman in the preseason had some really good games too that i feel like people just genuinely forget and they're you know i i i, I responded to a tweet that's already labeling him like the machine the beat the anthony bennett <laughs> and i'm like ah, that's just too soon you know he, he showed something previously not even too long ago but uh when the season starts it's kind of that's what we're all remembering i guess um but you know i texted you and i was saying that when jordan Poole went down to the g league mm-hmm. i don't think they sent him down to the g league to be like hey you know go work on your shooting go work on your playmaking like that that's kind of implied but i think they mainly sent him down to go get his confidence back like mm-hmm. go be jordan Poole, go be who you thought you were going to be in the g league competitions less and just to just to feel like you know see the stats that you wanted to see and see the shots go in that you want to see go in like just get that confidence back i feel like wiseman needs that right now because i think you know we've talked about it they talked about in warriors plus minus they're putting him into the javel mcgee role and we thought it would be simple you know a number two pick uh, a lot of potential getting to play with a championship team just play a simplified role mm-hmm. and it's it's not it's not working and he's and and there's i just think that you know he needs to go down there to build back up the confidence and be like hey i was james wiseman you don't need to go down there and rim run and and try to catch lobs and play defense do that but like Go down there to rebuild your confidence and remember, you know, who you were prior to this slump. And I think that the Warriors do it better than most other teams when it's like going down to the G League, almost like, um, you know, how Steph was okay with coming off the bench that first game against the Nuggets. Like, you know, the 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 the. Uh, the notion of of coming off the bench when you're that guy, the notion of going back to the G League in your third year, you know, I feel like the Warriors are pretty good at saying it's not that big of a deal. Just go do it and you'll be, you know, you'll be fine. Um, so I, that's that's the first thing I would do. The second thing I would do, it would probably be to, you know, I've said that Kaminga in, in this pod, I think the last pod we did, I said that Kaminga and, and Jermichael Green can't play together unless one of them is the small ball five. And I think that that's what we would what my move would be to for that second unit if you're just not including starters just second unit would be DiVincenzo, Poole, Moody, uh, Kaminga, Jamichael Green that would be what I would think I have an idea let's hear it and I wonder if I'm sure Kerr has thought about doing this I would go back to Steph's rotation where he plays the entire first quarter that's kind of what he's doing, though. That he just gets pulled out with a minute left. But uh, you still only want him to play thirty-six-ish minutes, right? Yeah. So he plays the entire first quarter. Draymond 
plays about between six to eight minutes uh, of that first quarter. Draymond then starts the second quarter with, uh, and, and pool's going to be in, and maybe you can even have clay back in. It's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have a couple of the, of, of the second team in that lineup. Uh, but I would pair Draymond or Steph in every single lineup that they have. Yeah. Now that may be a, a little harder, um, when it, when it becomes more situational and when teams are like, okay, if we know, you know, Draymond and, and pool without Steph, then maybe we make this adjustment and then the Warriors maybe have to adjust, but that allows the Warriors to have a vet, have a smart playmaker, have a smart decision maker on the court at all times. Now, the third part of this, or the, I guess the second part, technically, Iguodala. We have yet to see Andre Iguodala play basketball. I think if there are moments in which Dre or Steph cannot be on the court, those are the moments that Iguodala has to be on the court because he's another vet, smart decision maker, calms the team down. There's a, there, there's less of a of a anxiousness uh, when when he's on the court. So one of those three players, I think, needs to be on the court at all times. I hate and, to I hate to burst your bubble here, but I actually think I heard a report that you know the Warriors are more more focused on getting Iguodala ready for the second half of the season. So we might not even see him like anytime soon. So the report that we saw from Slater uh-huh. was that he was close. I don't know what, yeah. I don't know what close means, but this was a few days ago. So okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe something has changed since then, and and, mm-hmm. and 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 they're they're doing what you said. So if like let's say they make the first sub, which is usually pool for clay, and that comes around six minute mark, and then your second sub would be. Jamichael for Dre. So maybe that stretches Looney a little bit. And then you take Looney out. And like you said, Jamichael goes to small ball five for a few minutes uh, until Draymond comes in at the, at the start of the second quarter. So my goal would be if we're going to play these young guys, they need to at least play with one of your two best players at all times, because you're you're having the young guys play with the young guys. So it's if Kaminga and Moody and Poole are all making mistakes right now, playing them together is not working because you're just there's just going to be more mistakes. So you kind of bring in that veteran, you bring in the the star power, the leadership, and you try and ma- it's almost like you're making those guys play better by having that leadership on the court and having that leadership hold them responsible for making plays like, you know, Draymond and Andre, when they're out, when they're off the court, they're constantly coaching these guys. Right. So you're, you're, uh, you know, that's, ha- that's going to happen on the court as well. Um, but that would be my solution to this, to this problem right now is I, j- I think one of those two guys needs to be on the court. Now, the negative is that, it forces them to not be together as much as they are, which may be a problem. Uh, maybe Steph and Jamichael together playing the Draymond role a little bit. Maybe that helps him because he hasn't been great either. 
maybe maybe Kaminga and Steph together because uh, Steph can be a little bit more creative with the passes uh, like he was trying to be with Wiseman and then Wiseman just can't finish uh, some of this stuff. So that would be my solution. Um, my question, though, because because the name that I didn't mention is Clay. Clay has been. I want to I don't want to say he's been the worst player on the team that that's not the case, but he's been bad and. I think most people are kind of looking at the offensive stuff. And yeah, like he takes a lot of irresponsible shots when he is uh, game six clay or when he is, uh, you know, 30 points and a quarter clay. You can live with those shots because he's going to make some of them, but he's not making any of them. He's the only shots that I really see him making are wide open threes. And so there's got to be a little bit of uh, responsibility there for him to know, okay, I'm not cooking right now. Like I have to take smart shots. And if the shot isn't there rather than force it, we got to move the ball because that's what's happening is he is now becoming a black hole. He is the ball stops when it gets to him. And that's not the way that, that the offense offense necessarily works, but, and uh, I'll give you your, a chance to, to talk about this in a second, even worse is the defense. He is someone that the Warriors have relied upon year after year after year. And I don't know how closely you were watching that Sacramento game. Yeah, I know what you're about to say. They were setting the they, they were switching from Steph to Clay late in that game. I have we ever seen that in our lifetime? No. Watching what I've never seen anybody go. I got Steph. I want to switch on to Clay, and that's what they were doing at the end of that game. And they were beating him, Malik Monk, right around Clay. Thankfully, they didn't call the foul uh, to end the game there because he was a little too close to Herder, even though it was kind of a hail mary shot. But man, I—that's a rare thing to see—is when they're out and out pointing for Clay to come guard them because he is—he's been so good in the past and. I, you know the the lateral quickness is absolutely not there anymore. So yeah. they they need they may need to pair him uh, with you know so that he can guard the small forward or he can guard the the small ball four because when he's guarding the the littles it is it has not been good and Cleveland has two really good littles coming at exactly. us on, on Friday. I was about to say, I'm wondering if, you know, you do Wiggins on Mitchell and Steph on Garland and then Clay on Levert. Like we've seen them try to like essentially hide Steph in the past where you put Steph on like the worst uh, player one through three. And, and now it's it, we really might see Clay not guard either of the two because, you know, Clay is not really, uh, you know, like you said, the lateral quickness. He can't guard like the jaws. No one can really guard the jaws, but, you know, the really quick small guards. Darius Garland's one of the quickest guards in the league. Darren Fox, another one. And, you know, Donovan's kind of right there with them. So they, they really might start clay on Karis LeVert or whoever starts at the three for, for Cleveland, this upcoming game. And Steph, (laughs) Steph will be, have to be on Garland. And Garland against uh, the Kings was really bad, but I guess he was yeah. sick. They said he was he's sick. I don't maybe he'll he'll be better. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he he was he was he was playing very well. Now on the flip side, those littles on the Cavs, they don't guard anybody either. Nope. So 
the Warriors and and the, what the Kings did was they were able to spread the spread the floor and they're just finding shooters and that's what the Warriors do right yep. and that's why I think it's a necessity that Clay does not force shots or become the black hole and they keep moving because they're going to get an open shot against that team. That team has two littles and they play two bigs in almost every lineup. And so, you know, from a defensive standpoint, the Warriors are going to find opportunities for shots like Evan Mobley and um, Jared Allen and Jared Allen together against the Warriors is kind of silly because the Warriors don't really have a post player. Wiggins is kind of the de facto post player in that he gets inside and he'll do little, uh, you know, he'll finger roll or he'll fade away from, from the mid, from the, the, the middle of the paint there. But other than that, like Draymond gets all of his shots on, uh, on, on drives or fast breaks, essentially. Um, Looney is, is going to kick the ball out at every opportunity, unless it's a, it's a wide open layup. So mm-hmm. they like, they need to take advantage of that. And then when they bring in Kevin love, it's like even worse. It's like, okay, like, let's just, you know, we're just gonna let's just run everybody, you know, at Kevin Love. So it's uh I, I think the strategic part of Friday's game is gonna be so interesting because of matchups. And uh, I'm I'm interested to see it. But look, the 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 Cavs have the athleticism and they have the speed, and they could, you know, it could be one of those where the Warriors make a few mistakes here and there, and it's boom, 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 and Donovan Mitchell bucket, you know, yeah, Garland bucket, uh, Lavert bucket. So uh, the Warriors ha- do have to play a really smart game, and 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 that's uh that's going to be a fu- kind of a fun to see thing because in, in the past, like last year, even with this Donovan Mitchell team, um, maybe you know, I think the Warriors would probably win at home and the whole mm-hmm. court, and they would be fine. But I'm not sure about this year. That it's it, that's what what makes this game so intriguing. Yeah, and I mean, you look at that team, and I mean that what that team's built off of is essentially what the Warriors have been able to stop their their entire tenure uh, of the of the core three. You know, they they have a bigger lineup with the two small guards, two bigs, and the Warriors. You know, basically brought in the idea of small ball, which could run those type of units off the floor. But I mean, you look at Orlando, and and that that didn't really happen there. And and Cav, and I said the Pelicans are a better version of Orlando. The Cavs are like a five times better version than Orlando. What Orlando, you know, the Orlando played a lot of drop coverage, so Clay and Steph were able to get their buckets. And I kind of expect that to happen again, unless they run some kind of zone. But Mobley will probably contest a little bit because he's getting better on the perimeter. But Jarrett's falling back, and so I'm wondering if they can capitalize on that. Um, I noticed that, did you, I mean, they got a lot of their points off of three, the, the, the Kings versus mm-hmm. Cavs game from last night. I only got to catch the first quarter. Um, and I feel like they were able to establish the drive or they were able to drive because they had established the three, but they were kind of able to fool Mobley and Allen a lot by like making close quarter passes inside of like the key and, and like confusing them there. Um, and and getting and getting looks. I mean, Darren's super fast, can get to the bucket, no problem. Uh, Sabonis is just going to try to pump fake you to death. But I noticed that they were they were getting like um, I don't know between Sabonis and the other four, they were just like kind of passing it and and kept running. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work, but I mean, the Warriors are, are a smart team, and uh, you know, any other year I would probably favor them quite easily. But this year, you know, uh, after the teams that they've lost to on the road, and after how hard it was to get a win against Sacramento Kings, it just 
it's it's I have to see it now. You know, they almost have a championship team has to prove it to me nine games in. <laughs> okay, this was a game where pretty much no defense was played. The King shot 52.6%, the Cavs shot 53.5%. Both teams shot over 42% from three. Both teams shot over 85% from the free throw line. The the difference in the game is just style of play because of their their lineups. The Cavs, uh, they ate up, you know, about 65-70% of the rebounds in, in the entire game. They out-rebounded the Kings 42 to 24, out-rebounded them on the offensive boards 12 to 2. And on the flip side, the Kings, you know, they were working the ball around finding open shooters. So they had six more assists uh than the Cavs did. So uh they also took care of the ball. And I think that's the other thing is the Warriors, uh, I don't know where they sit this year when it comes to turnovers, but uh, they, they need to take care of the basketball. They need to value the the possessions against a team like this. Cause like I said, you know, with Mitchell and Garland, those guys can get out and they could start runs. And before you know what hits you, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're behind. So mm-hmm. I think the Warriors are a little bit like the Kings, as far as the lineups are concerned, as far as the style that they play, um, you know, Sabonis is, is the, the big player for the Kings, but, uh, and the Warriors don't have a, a four or five who plays like him, but the style of play is take the open three, get up and down. Yeah. Um, you know, your, your guard, Darren Fox is, is your lead, your lead guy. And he's, he's going to kind of run the show and Steph say, same way. So they play similarly enough to where I think the Warriors were watching that tape last night. And I don't think they expect the Cavs to mail it in so poorly on, on defense because, you know, Mobley was really a non-factor in the game and it wasn't because he wasn't doing his job. It was just that game was so up and down. So it it sort of took his effectiveness away in in a sense because, you know, he wasn't there to contest shots and he wasn't there to, you know, get lobs thrown to and and crush them. And, you know, he, he didn't really have to go out. There wasn't a lot of one-on-one. It was a lot of just open shot, open shot, open shot. So Mm -hmm. I think the Warriors can, if they play like that and they take advantage of that, Cleveland is the the perimeter defense that looked really bad last night. So mm-hmm. that'll be that'll be interesting. And I want to see uh, how Cleveland kind of reacts to losing two in a row on the road, yeah. right? So that that's kind of a thing for a young team where they have to figure that out. And that's why I that's why I, I want to see how they react. I want to see how the Warriors react because they're supposed to be the veteran team to be able to stabilize. So it's a, it's a really good strategic uh, matchup. Uh, but before uh, before I forget, Jordan Poole, when we did the uh, what do we expect from Jordan Poole segment, uh, which uh, is one of our top YouTube segments that I that I pulled. <laughs> Uh, Wiseman talking about Wiseman and talking about Jordan Poole are are, are, are po- popular YouTube segments for us. And if you want to check out uh, YouTube, uh, BSPN uh, on YouTube. So Jordan Poole, we said defensively, he's got to show up. I think he's worse than he was last year. He this is the this is the Jordan Poole. If anybody wants to go play basketball and, and I'll explain this to, to those listening to audio. This is the Jordan Poole. 
This is what he does in in play. He gets beat and he puts his hands up as if to say, that wasn't my fault or I don't know what happened or what uh, while the play is going on. Like these guys are actively going at him and he is so frustrated and I'm not I'm not making fun of him. It's just his reaction is so visual on the screen. He's letting you know when he gets cooked just by the way he reacts. And, uh, you know, they're picking on him. Like, they're running big, big uh, dudes running screens at this poor guy. Like, he gets knocked off balance so much. And some of it is, you know, he's just a a skinnier guy, and and he'll get bigger. Like, you look at, you know, look at Steph now compared to, you know, six or seven years ago, different body. And Jordan will, will do that, too. But they are they're targeting him. And it's almost like, a, you know, we saw you last year and we're giving you the respect and that, you know, we got a lot of tape on you both offensively and defensively. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to tire you out. We're going to make you work. And thus, on offense, you aren't as effective because you're just getting your butt kicked on defense. And so that's what I see. Uh, but what do you see w- when you're watching him? Because obviously he's not the same guy as he was last year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like... I expected him to just get beat off the dribble all the time. Maybe, you know, that if I'm opposing teams, that's what my game plan would be if like just go at Jordan Poole. Um, but what I've noticed more is just like the 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 lack of IQ on like help defensive plays when someone gets by their guy and Jordan Poole decides to be the help guy when it really should be the in the the big and then he leaves his wide open guy uh wide open to shoot a shoot a three. That's what, you know, and that's what I've said before on this podcast, which is Draymond would yell at him for that in the past and Draymond not doing that anymore or not feeling comfortable to do that anymore. Not really doing that with many of his teammates, which is kind of annoying. Um, we didn't talk about this, but I think during like the Pistons, we might've actually talked about this, the Pistons game, or it was the uh, Charlotte game. One of those, one of those games where he was just getting visibly frustrated with clay, kind of putting his hands up, but like, <laughs> but it's not uh, when clay would mess up on defense, but yeah, he's not yelling at anyone. He's kind of just getting mad as if to say like, if oh, if only I could like yell at these guys right now or something like he's not he's he's not really being a leader in my opinion on that side of the floor, um, and that could be because you know he doesn't he doesn't he wants to you know the quote where he's going to slowly earn back their trust he doesn't want to you know try to be the the yelling animated Draymond right from the get go but the Warriors need that guy yeah um so yeah can, can he become that again I don't know it's good I guess more time is needed. Because, like, who gives him, who makes, Dre, like, I mean, this is a bad thing to say. You don't, Dr- Draymond is, you know, he made a mistake. And, you know, hopefully there's some forgiveness there. But who allows him to just be like, okay, Draymond, we need Draymond again. Like, we need you to be uh, the the Draymond of old. Like, who, get, like, can he do it? Or does someone give him the okay? Does Jordan go, hey, dude. I forgive you. Like, let's go. Like, or, or is it just he can't do it anymore? Like, I, that's the part that's hard to hard to figure out for me. Another five or seven game stretch of Jordan Poole looking like ass. I feel like the whole fan base will will force him to do it to get on his knees and say, "Please, Draymond, start start yelling at us again." Is there a lineup that fits Jordan Poole better than than what they're doing though? Right now is the other question because. When he's the lead guy, um, he seems to be forcing it a little, a little too much, as if to say, you know, I need to prove this contract. And I see him breakdancing way too much. Like this guy 
is holding onto the ball and he's doing all of these moves and not progressing the action. And you just see guys standing around like the offense shuts down rather than him. You know, cause the difference is, is when you watch him and Steph, Steph doesn't even really initiate the action sometimes, but Steph is just moving. Steph's just running mm-hmm. around the court. Cause he's trying to get open shots. Jordan is more so trying to get the ball in space so that he can make a move and go, but they're guarding that space a lot better this year. And so what he's doing is he's going, he's pulling it back out. He's trying to go again, pulling it back out, trying to do a move to, to get, and it's just by then it's like, okay, five seconds later, guy, like it's now five seconds left on the shot clock. And here comes a force. I, I wonder if, uh, obviously more more playing with Steph will, will help, but he can't always play with Steph if he's the sixth man. Um, more playing with Draymond, I feel like, will help too because Draymond can do a lot of the stuff that he does with Steph, you know, with, with, with uh, setting, you know, setting the ball screens and and just as creative as Draymond is, getting Jordan pulled the ball where, where he needs it to be. I don't know. When he's playing with Moody and Kaminga and Wiseman, uh, all at the same time, maybe it's maybe DiVincenzo does help because they'll they'll play together in the backcourt. It just seems like he feels like this is all on me. Mm. I got to get a bucket, and if I don't, we're not scoring. I mean, I I always relate this to baseball a lot because I feel like I don't know baseball as much, but at the same time, I've been able to see year to year how players' impacts either go up or down, and I feel like Tyler Rogers, that's his name, right? The reliever for the Giants, mm-hmm. so, the sidearm guy. He had a had a great year last year, but I genuinely feel like when teams have a full season of tape to say to look at what he does and be like, okay, after the fastball, he'll throw a sinker or or stuff like that and game plan against him, then you could see it in in this year's results where it seemed like people knew what he was going to do this year and his numbers go down. I, I'm not going to say that Pool's numbers are going to go down just yet, but teams now game plan against him. They now, whereas last year, you know. In the games that Steph and Dre and Clay didn't play because of you know back to back on a on a road a, away games and Poole had to be the main focus. Like there were some doubles that were thrown at him, um, and he was able to 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 react well against it. But it wasn't like a you know couple practices before the coach is like, okay, we need to really zone in on Jordan Poole. It was probably like a halftime or a timeout adjustment to be like, oh wow, this dude's cooking us right now. Let's let's go put some pressure on him. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a way to solve it is to put players on the court with him that will make defenses pay for sending doubles at him, whether it's Moody being able to hit a catch and shoot shot, whether it's DiVincenzo, whether it's Draymond cutting at the right time or Jermichael Green, you know, like put put those guys around pool. And so when the double comes, pass it to the open guy that they doubled off of and then make them pay and then they'll have to sag off and then pool can start doing his dancing again or whatever, how he used to. But I mean, you know, they said it in plus minus too, but there is a point where he has to, adjust and attack and show why they paid him that amount of money. Cause that amount of money means that you should be able to succeed regardless of the defenses thrown at you essentially. So I think that, yeah, he, I mean, he does just have to, to learn how to, and, and, and dribbling, you know, the amount of times he's dribbling in those situations, isn't the solution. There are different solutions. He just needs to find it. And... I think if his outside shot starts falling, which some of that is, taking better shots, taking open shots. I think that will help him because then the defense has can't can't be so up in his grill. Um but he you know he's also got to start making it. like a lot of this is on him. Some of it is is obviously uh mental. You know, he's had a he's been dealing with a lot. Like that punch, you know, I think a lot of people kind of 
just brushed it aside. But, um, you know, there's a trust thing that that's involved there. And, and, you know, that's a, uh, it's a young man, right? Jordan Poole is not a, a 30 year old person who has with kids and a wife. <laughs> right. Right. And he's, he's still a very young man. He's still a young man. He's successful. Uh, that came pretty quickly after the failure w- w- was the thing with him. So, I, I'm not giving up on him in any way. I just want to see. I, this is the same thing we were talking about in in the playoffs, and it's a very simplistic way of saying it. I get it. Toughness. I just want to see toughness. Like if he gets blown by, and he doesn't give up on the play, and then Looney comes out and puts his hands up, and that stops the guy, and then Jordan comes and helps, and then gets a weak side steal like that's that's part of it right but he gets beat and he gives up and then and then like you said then he's late out late on a shooter because he's trying to respond to that so mm-hmm. uh okay uh other thing i guess that the other thing that i was interested in your thoughts on at what point do you get a little nervous about this season going backward. How many games into the season where the Warriors aren't yet at 500? Mm -hmm. And I I said this, I think I said this on the last show. I said, after that Pelicans game, they were going to win the next four or whatever and get get back to 500. Mm -hmm. If they beat Cleveland, I think they have a good shot. If they lose to Cleveland, then of course I'm wrong. But... Is it 15 games, which is only five games from now? Is it 20 games? Is it 30 games? Because you get closer to the All-Star break, and it's like, okay, now we're positioning for the playoffs. And if the Warriors are less than 500 around that time, then you're like, uh-oh, what's going mm-hmm. on here? We're Now we're talking play-in game. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think context is important here, whereas I think the record is going to be, I mean, extremely important. It's more like, how are they playing? How are they looking? Are the the units starting to mesh? Um, is is Kaminga and Moody starting to become you know more staples in the rotation and their play is backing that up, or is it like the same old? If it's the same old, if we're having this conversation of you know the Warriors not winning a road game, barely beating the Kings in like two weeks, I mean that's awful. That's that's gonna uh, that's you're gonna have to start making some major decisions. And I don't I don't I don't even know where you start with this team because it felt like. <laughs> You know, it felt like, oh, the Warriors are the smart guys. They have this all figured out, the two timelines. And do you really blow up the entire two timelines and just try to bring in another, like, big star to help the help the, the now guys win another championship? I mean, just from a monetary perspective, I don't know if they could bring in a big star. Like, I mean, yeah, they'd have to pair it with, you know, Wiggs. Yeah, it'd have, have to, to be Wig- Wiggins. Wiggins or Poole. It can't or be actually, Poole. actually, it can't be Poole because Poole's not until next year. Yeah, it doesn't even make it. Ha- it has to be. It'd have to be Wiggins or Draymond, and I don't think you want to do Draymond. Uh, and no yeah. one's taking Clay at this point. No. Um, okay, so the reason why I said that, and I, I'm thinking, I think if we get to the 30-game time frame and they are under 500, I'll be, I'll be pretty worried. Mm-hmm. Because then, after, you know, then you sort of are what you are. They could still make a run. We remember last year, they were like 18-2, and two, and then they hit like a slide and and they were like a 500 team essentially for the rest of the rest of the yeah. year. So they they could still make a run. Uh but let's say you don't blow up the timeline. But let's say you realize that you do need another piece. Mm-hmm. 
Tim Kawakami. And this is where I was talking to, where I was mentioning to Mark. Kim, Tim Kawakami on plus minus said, Wiseman for GP2. Straight and, up. And on the surface, that makes no sense. Yeah. Because we we are looking at Wiseman as still a guy, right? As still talent, as still somebody who has value. And Tim was saying, for this team, for the Warriors, they can't look at it that way anymore because they are just in search of players who can help the team right now because of the one timeline that that we're talking about. I have another player in mind as well, but interested in who, a who out of Poole, Kaminga, Wiseman, Moody, who would you dangle out there first if you needed to? I think that uh, Wiseman probably has the lowest trade value out of all four of them right now. So you'd not only be getting, you know, pennies to the dollar, you'd be getting lower than that. I feel like GMs would try to sneak them from you really low. Like, I feel like a lot of GMs in the NBA think that they can unlock his potential. But at the same time, they're like, look, this kid's awful right now. Like, we're not trading you player X who's, you know, been well for us for this guy who's, you know, on a contract year or is he next year that he or next year he's eligible for an extension like Wiseman yeah Wiseman they already picked it up it's 12 million next year okay okay so yeah no I I feel like I feel like Wiseman's the obvious candidate but at the same time you're not really getting anything good in return especially looking at his money if you're not pairing him with Wiggins we're not pairing him with someone who makes the money because you know we know the Warriors salary uh that what 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 that's looking like right now you can't bring in a guy who makes more money than Wiseman or else you're paying seven dollars to the dollar so not only are you selling low on Wiseman, you're bringing back a guy who... And if you're trading Wiseman, you're not trading him for another young player, right? You're not trading Wiseman for Jabari Smith Jr. You know, like you're trading Wiseman for probably multiple vets on vet minimum contracts. And that's just awful. Like that is just putting in the white flag and saying, we drafted bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they do the GP2 one either because that's like, there's, there's got to be like a pride thing there, right? Like... We decided not to pay GB2 because we bet on our young guys to do it. And not only is that not working, now we're giving you our second number two pick for a guy we literally just had and had the option to bring back. Like there's there's too much pride in that for them to ever think of doing that. Except the way that they could look at it like that is they would say the reason we couldn't sign GP2 was because of Wiseman, right? Like you're like, because of Wiseman's contract, that is what disallowed us to be able to sign. GP2. So I was I was looking up what what GP2's contract even was. Um he he signed a 3-year deal for 26 million. So it's 8 this year, mm-hmm. uh 8 7 next year, 9 1 uh the third year. And Isn't Wiseman making like 10 this year? So I think Wiseman is at 9, but let's okay. look, let's look it up. Um Wiseman's contract for this year is Come on, Spotrack. What's going on here? I don't know why he just decided <laughs> to be so slow right now. Um, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe the maybe the website is down. And I just looked at it for GP2, so funky spot track here. Oh no, there we go. Uh so Wiseman is at this year, he is at nine six. So nine six, then it'll be twelve. And if they pick it up the following year again then it'll be at 15. So this year, Wiseman is not super affordable, but he's it, it's not as easy next year, I think, if you want to, to, to deal him. And he's sort of the same guy this year. 
So I get that perspective. Here's a guy that I was wondering, and I don't even know if this necessarily works. Now, now I let me let me say let me say this first. If the Spurs or the Thunder, I'm trying to think of what what are the smart teams, the Jazz. If those teams come sniffing around Wiseman, I'd be like, hmm, maybe we should keep them because those are smart teams. Yeah. And if it was, uh, you know, some of these uh, other teams that they may not be quite as smart, uh, then that that may tell you tell you different. But if you know, Ainge would said, swindle us too. <laughs> he would swindle us. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, you know, we got all of the best games out of Laurie Market, and here you can have him. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's another trade that I thought about, and I was interested in what you thought of. Okay, let's say that I mean they have to be be giving up on Wiseman at this point, right? It's yeah. like, nope, we need to get rid of him. We need to find a piece that's going to help us win now. What about Malik Monk? Um, GP two or Malik Monk? I don't want Malik. I feel like he doesn't fit. He is small, like GP. He's six three. They're both six three. Obviously, GP is a much better defender. Malik can't defend. Malik is so quick. Yeah. And in the Warriors offense, playing next to Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole in, in some instance, he would get so many open shots. And he is a really good shooter. He's only shooting about 38% from three right now. But uh, in that Warriors Holy, system... It's probably like the best three-point sh- percentage <laughs> on the Warriors besides Steph right now. Uh, but I feel like he's a guy that you think of as like, oh, he should be upper echelon. Like He's yeah. like, he should win the three-point contest kind of shooter. Um, but he's so he's athletic, right? Like he can go to the rim. Uh, he can dunk on somebody if need be. The, this, the, the ill fit is defensively him and Jordan pulled together would be really terrible. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they need more of like a or, or you want to finish that? No, no, no. Just I'm I done. think that Malik Monk, you know, him being a little, you know, smaller, so you you'd put him in that little guard, uh, you know, with DiVincenzo, with Poole, with Moody, with Clay, mm-hmm. with Steph. Like that's just too many. Like we're worrying about Moody getting DMPs and and not fitting into the rotation because of uh, positional depth. And uh, I think Malik Monk would complicate that. I think you need like an uh, like a three times five times better Anthony Lamb. <laughs> Um, and you should be able to get that with a Wiseman package, but I mean, you look at Malik Monk's contract. I feel like them trading Wiseman straight up from Malik Monk is the ultimate white flag. You know, even he's worse on, he's... than GP. <sighs> GP at least fits. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I, I like agree. Mal- Malik's I agree. the scorer. You know, obviously, the goal is to score the ball in the basket. But like when it comes to April and May, like like Malik becomes a little less valuable in my opinion when you have him and pool out there. And then it's just like, Oh, the defense is like, or the opposing teams are like, Oh, sweet. Which one should we go at? doesn't really matter. Let's just have fun. Somebody like miles Turner, they would have to move two contracts. They'd have to move like him and loon. Yeah. They can't move Looney. Looney's like the, He's literally by plus minus. He's the most valuable player in the Warriors right now. I mean, maybe you could do Lou, uh, Wiseman and DiVincenzo, but uh, yeah, that that would that probably would work, yeah. But... I was eyeing the Pacers too because I mean, if we want to go into the Wiseman discussion, I know mm-hmm. you had it as a topic, but like Wiseman really would benefit from being able. To, you know, I've mentioned it multiple times on multiple podcasts actually, where it's like there are guys who you know, need different development plans to hit their potential, whether it's, you know, 
a LaMelo ball, just needing to get the keys to his team immediately. So he can just hit all the bumps and bruises early, learn through it and become a star. Or it's uh, uh, a Moses Moody who might actually do well playing under a system and, and reaching his potential by, you know, slowly just making his way up the ranks. Wiseman's on that LaMelo train. He needed the keys to an offense. And what's interesting about the situation with him and Poole is that Poole kind of had that ability to go through the bumps and bruises because that was the throwaway year to get James Wiseman. Well, Wiseman comes in and it's kind of like, okay, well, we need to win and we need you to be this person or this player now. And then he gets hurt and then he comes back and it's like, okay, we don't need you to be that guy, but we need you to be this guy now. And he still can't do that. Like he really would benefit going to a Utah, going to a San Antonio or going to an Indiana, going to a Houston. I mean, Houston's got uh, their guy at center right now, but you know, that, that and that, that's going to, that's going to suck when, if, if it does happen where the Warriors will make a trade and send him to one of those places, that's going to suck watching him hit his potential. Um, because you can't look at him at the same light as you do Anthony Edwards and LaMelo anymore. No way. You look at him in that second or third tier of guys in that class, whether it's Sadiq Bays, you know, whether it, or Halliburton. Halliburton's in that first echelon, too. Um, same with probably Terry's Maxi, too, in that first one. But, you know, you start looking at him in the Isaiah Stewart uh, spotlight. Uh, so I think that, you know, it's it, it, it will it will suck. And I'm going to hold the I told you so key in my pocket when that <laughs> So, um I don't think it would fit. I don't think DiVincenzo and Wiseman for a Miles Turner uh, would fit. Uh, it, the, the Warriors would the, the Warriors would actually have to pay. Uh, they'd be uh, it'd be two two million more about to bring Miles Turner in. Well, quick question though: Do you think that the before we go into these more mock trades, do you think that the Warriors would prefer if they traded Wiseman? Do you think they'd prefer having someone who's under? contract for more than just one year or do you think they'd rather have an unrestricted free agent like miles turner who comes off the books after this year well, you, you, you would have to, for two or three yeah you would have to figure out how to sign him right like you would like, yeah uh, and, and it's not like you can add i mean you could add to michael green but then you're you're paying three players for one player to make the money work because you know mike J. michael green and, and divincenzo are making such little money to as trade pieces, they they don't even help you when you're trying to add salaries together. Um, all right, so last thing uh, before we get out of here is uh, I was interested in your thoughts on the jersey, the new mm-hmm. jersey that came out. When I first saw the yellow, I didn't really understand what it was, and I'm not sure it even looks that great uh, as far as what it's supposed to be. This rose. Um, the story behind this jersey, and if you haven't heard it, the Warriors have a new city jersey. It is black, and it is yellow with a rose to uh, – it, it is it is showing a female empowerment. I, f- I forget the woman's name who, who designed it. But it's kind of an interesting design. Like I, I just don't know about that yellow rose because when you tuck the jersey in – it looks like you have like some Cheeto dust on your uniform, mm-hmm. like coming above. Like I love the story. I think the story is really cool. I'm just not sure I like the fit, uh, like the look of of that jersey. What, yeah, what I did think, you think I think every player should size up in the jersey so that when they tuck it in, it's longer, so that you just won't see any of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I kind of I didn't. I know Zach Lowe put out a story about the jersey, um, and I've kind of heard bits and pieces. I think it's cool. I think, you know, the idea of it and, and who made it, like, that's all cool. That's all fun. Um, I'm not, like, too pressed about what my team wears. I'm more pressed about if they're winning or not. But yeah, I wouldn't buy that jersey. Um, and I think it's more because of that stuff on the bottom that I mm-hmm. wouldn't 
buy it, it kind of looks like um, some other brands are doing this like more jerseys where you know it's kind of stuff all around where mm -hmm. regard um, instead of just like the team logo and the mm -hmm. and the name. Um, but I don't know. Art's art's crazy sometimes. Art makes no sense to me because you know when they when when teams start to really explain like those little marks on the jerseys, like yeah. those little those little lines around the the rows on the top. It's supposed to explain women's suffrage and how they've suffered. It's like to me, those look like lines. Yeah, <laughs> art's crazy sometimes. But what I like the, the idea. What about the Charlotte CLT? Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> that it's reminiscent of the Cream City from the from the Bucks. <laughs> um yeah i i mean i think i think there will be some some people selling them and, and really they should market them to to women and explain mm -hmm. that what that means you know and i think it's a, a really smart thing but i'm not sure if uh the the warriors fan who wants to get a new jersey every year i'm not sure that's the one that they pick but i mean that's uh, probably why they would package this type of jersey with the reminiscent of of TMC, mm -hmm. you know. So, in case that does happen, yeah. All right, call it Cleveland. Didn't we already call this in the last podcast? What was our? What was I was? I probably said loss, but you might have convinced me into a win. I mean, I said win, but I I, but now win. that now that you we've seen we've seen the Pelicans game, we've seen the Kings game. Does that change your mind? It's home. We've seen now Cleveland's lost two in a row on the road. They just lost to Sacramento. Call the Warriors, uh, Warriors Cavs here. I I'm going to be a downer. I think because, you know, I think the Warriors had to smack Sacramento for me to feel a little bit better about calling this game. Um, but you know, it took it took a it took a Steph game to like go absolutely berserk uh, to even barely win that one with a clay missed call foul three. Um, and, and Cleveland's coming off of, you know, a amazing start where like a second best start in the NBA and they've lost two straight. Who did like, the bucks lose to, by the way? Cause I know they only Atlanta. Had one loss. Oh, was it Atlanta? Wow. They lost to Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta's kind of on a run right now too. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say the Cavs, And I think that Steph's going to have a great game. Like he did against Orlando, like he did against Sacramento, but have you seen anything in the rotation to give you any good feelings? We have seen nothing. So until again, like they got, they got to, they got to show me before I could start making better predictions, because if we're going to see another, you know, I don't, I don't know if the Vincenzo's playing. So just another Jerome and, and, he's, and I think Lamb. he's supposed to be there, but they haven't made it official yet. And, and I mean, knowing how the Warriors ease players back in from injury, like how many minutes is he realistically getting? So, uh, and yeah, I just got I got to see how they really utilize the lineup because how Steve Kerr said, oh, changes are coming in the lineup. And we all thought, oh, big Kaminga minutes. And then, oh, no Kaminga minutes in the second half. <laughs> it's like I got to I just got to see it. I'm saying Warriors win. Steph goes for 50. That's realistic. If they play drop coverage and the bad the guards are bad at defense, it's totally realistic. I think that could happen and they still lose. Steph's not going to let them lose. I don't think <laughs> He's gonna get mad. He's gonna yell yeah, we need refs. we need a 2020 2021 Steph where he's just like yelling at the bench where it seems more <laughs> directed at James Wiseman and Kelly Oubre. Like we need him to get frustrated like that again. Uh, all right, we'll we'll be back next week to talk about how the the season is going. And I think I I read the uh, I read this last time, but we'll 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 just we'll just break down just quickly. I'll just give you the the, the other games after. Friday. So it's Friday against Cavs. Then the Warriors go to Sacramento on Sunday. Sacramento will see if they get a little bit of revenge. The Warriors 
should be happy to see the Spurs on Monday, right? Like the Spurs are five and five team. They've but settled down. Yeah. So and then the big one, the Suns on Wednesday. So if if the Warriors were able to win the next three games, I think they're back at five hundred, right? They'd be seven and seven. Mm-hmm. And then the Suns. They owe the Suns, man. The Suns spanked them last time. Oh yeah. That and was the Suns big... are are down Cam Johnson now too. Yeah, that was a big spanking. You know, I I wish Aiton uh, and uh, and Wiseman were friends, and Aiton could just go, "Come on, man, this Teach is what me. I did. This I, this is all you need to do. It's not that hard. You just need to catch <laughs> the basketball. You need to be open for lobs. You need to get excited for those moments. It's and and just use your athleticism. Like that's what I do. Uh, all right, we'll be back next week. So um, uh, so for uh, for Bry, I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.